Welcome to Harvest with Greg Laurie. This TV show is all about helping you get to know God better because God loves you and God has a plan for you and God wants to transform your life and he's told us everything you need to know about him and life in general in this book, The Bible, The User's Manual of Life. So we're going to be talking about what the Bible says and what God wants to do in your life. Again, welcome and God bless you. put his people in the culture to influence it, to make a difference. God is not calling us as believers to isolate, but rather to infiltrate, to influence. Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I'm in the Hoboken Terminal here in New Jersey, and this is one of the cities and states I lived in during my childhood because my mom, well, she had this uh, habit of getting married and divorced a lot, seven times in total. So I lived in Summit, New Jersey. I lived in Hawaii. I lived in California. So I had this turbulent childhood. So I had to grow up fast. In many ways, I had to become a parent to my mother. And by the ripe old age of 17, I felt like I was 70. I tried pretty much everything this culture has to offer to make one supposedly happy, and I was empty inside, and I was desperately searching for meaning and purpose in my life. And on my high school campus in Newport Beach, California, I came upon a Bible study of Christians and sat down close enough to hear what they were saying, but not so close that they would think I was joining up. I sort of eavesdropped, and I ended up hearing for the first time in my life the gospel. And I believed that message. And as a result, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And he changed it. It wasn't long after that that I realized I had to tell someone about what God had done for me. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is an altogether different kind of person. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes fresh and new. And then one day, as a new Christian, I read a passage in Scripture that's known as the Great Commission. Have you heard that? It's when Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Yes, I'm talking about evangelism. And that's a word that makes a lot of Christians cringe because we think, oh no, you mean actually go up to a complete stranger and talk about my relationship with God? I don't want to do that. So you know what happens? The Great Commission, as we call it, becomes the great omission. Let me tell you something that might surprise you, but I believe it's true. I think to not share my faith as a follower of Jesus Christ can be a sin. You say, no, Greg, you're going too far there. It's not a sin. Wait, though. There are sins of commission and omission, right? 
A sin of commission is when you do something you should not do. Listen, a sin of omission is when you don't do something you should do. And the Bible says to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. Let's say that you were walking along the beach and there was someone out there drowning in the ocean and you just kept walking. You didn't call for help. You didn't call 911. You just kept walking. Would that be wrong? That would be criminal, really. And in the same way, it's even worse when we think of the fact that every day we walk by people that are drowning in their sin and we don't even take a break in our little schedule to engage them with the message of the gospel. Did you know that 95% of all Christians have never led another person to Christ? A very small percentage even attempt to engage people with the gospel message. So listen, I want to help you to change that if that's the case in your life. Let me say something that may also surprise you. I believe evangelism can be fun. Fun, you say? Yes, fun, because it's exciting to be used by God. And you know what? When God's looking for someone to use, He's not looking for a qualified person. He's looking for an available person. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. God doesn't call the qualified. Listen, He qualifies the call. That means that God can use you. He can use anyone to start talking to others about Jesus Christ. But we've got to get started. And that's what I want to talk to you in this series about how you can engage people, how you can reach people, and yes, how you can lead people to Jesus Christ and experience some of the greatest joy you've ever had in this life. Jesus said, there is joy or happiness in heaven every time a lost sinner believes, every time a sinner comes to repentance. So if there's happiness in heaven, over a person believing. There can certainly be happiness on earth as well. Let's discover together how we can find the joy of sharing our faith and how we can see others come to know Jesus Christ. Sharing your faith can be an exciting experience. Telling others about Jesus can be an adventure. Leading people to Jesus can be one of the greatest joys you've ever known. And dare I say it, being used by God can be fun. That's right, fun. Not a mere drudgery, not mere duty. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. And listen to this. We're told in Psalm 126, 6, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. And the idea of that is I go out and I sow my little gospel seeds in the lives of people and periodically the Lord will allow me to see a person come to Christ and that brings great joy, not just on earth, but check this out. Every time a lost person believes in Jesus, there is applause in heaven. The Bible says that there is joy in the presence of the angels over every sinner that comes to Jesus Christ. And next to knowing Christ myself, to me, the greatest joy I know is seeing others come to Christ and then growing in their faith. John said, I have no greater joy than to know my children are walking in the truth. Such a joy. And then we are also told by Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. By the way, the word blessed can be translated happy. It's a happier thing to give than it is to receive. Now you tell that to a kid and they won't believe it. No. 
to receive is happier. But as you get older, you discover the joy of giving, don't you? And there is a joy to give out the gospel to other people. And here's the interesting thing about how God does this. He seems to go out of his way to find the least qualified person to do this through. The last person you would ever expect to be a spokesman for him is the one that God will choose. You know, I never wanted to be a public speaker. Can you believe me when I tell you that? My sole aspiration in life as a kid was to be a cartoonist, a graphic designer, and my backup plan was start a pet shop. I just figured if the graphic thing doesn't work, I like animals. You know, hey, I was only a kid, right? So when God started opening doors for me to speak publicly, I was the least likely person to ever do this. But the reason I started doing it, because before I didn't have anything to say, but now I do, and you do too. Say, oh, God couldn't use someone like me. God called Moses. And here's what Moses said. This just sounds like something one of us would say today. Exodus 4. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Lord, I'm not very good with words. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. God said, now go and I'll be with you as you speak. I'll instruct you in what to say. Moses says, please, Lord, send someone else. You might say, I don't have the gift of gab. I, I'm uncomfortable standing up in front of people. I, I can't be that person. No, God can use you. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm too young. I mean, you know how old Moses was when God called him? 80. <laughs> and Jeremiah was probably 18 or younger. You're never too old to be used by God. You're never too young to be used by God. And look at the people God used, how flawed they were. Noah got drunk. Abraham, man, he was just old. Jacob was a liar. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying and largely abandoned him in his moment of need. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. So what's your excuse? <laughs> See, God can use you. I mean, we just offer these excuses. They're not reasons. You know what an excuse is? It's a fancy lie dressed up for dinner. It's what we offer when we don't want to do something. There are no good reasons. So listen to this. God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That means you. That means me. That means us. We can be used by God. And let me say something else. We not only should fulfill the great commission because Christ has commanded us to and because people need to hear the gospel but we should fulfill the Great Commission so we don't stagnate spiritually. Let me say something else that might surprise you coming from a pastor. There can come a moment when actually you don't need to go to even another Bible study. You don't need to read another Christian book. You don't need to attend another worship service. I'm not suggesting you cut back on those things. I'm just saying Maybe there'll be a point in your life where you don't need to do that more as much as you need an outlet for the truth God has given you. See, the problem is if you're always taking in and you're never giving out, you're gonna reach a state of spiritual stagnation. This would be like a person saying, I eat all the time and I feel listless and lethargic. It's like, dude, you need some exercise. And then the same can be said of Christians. We're just feeding on the word of God, taking in, taking in, taking in, never giving out. That needs to change or we might find ourselves in trouble spiritually. See, God does not give us his truth to hoard. 
Do we have any hoarders listening right now? I would say I'm a micro hoarder. Um, I like to keep stuff. Uh, if it's a drawing from my children or my grandchildren, I save them and put them up my wall. Uh, I save a lot of things. My wife, she's the opposite. She throws everything away. One time she was trying to put me in the trash can. I resisted, but you know, she throws stuff away. But then there are people who are serious hoarders. I saw a program on TV about a person. They had so much stuff. It was floor to ceiling stuff in their home. Usually these people have a lot of cats too. I don't know what the connection is. <laughs> Listen, 10 cats, it's too many. Okay, just five cats. Really one cat's too many. Okay, but anyway. You know, they hoard all this stuff and in one situation they had to come in with some serious uh, fumigation and other things to clean this home up because food was rotting and stuff was piling up. And that can be a picture of a Christian, a well-fed Bible student who loves the Lord, taking in, taking in, taking in, or putting it another way, hoarding and hoarding. God doesn't give you this truth for you to hoard. He gives you this truth to share. The other day we were out having lunch with my son Jonathan's wife Brittany and their kids and uh, so I gave to each of them a bag of chips. Christopher was enjoying his chips immensely. <laughs> and then his dad said, Christopher, can I have one of your chips? What I love about kids is they don't mask their feelings. <laughs> An adult would say, sure, but all the while we'd be saying, I hate this, I hate this. Here, you can have a chip. Christopher's like, he like furls his little brown. Christopher, Jonathan says, look at me, buddy. Uh, give me a chip. Oh, it's just like torture for no. no. He has a whole bag. The bag's half as big as he is. No. Finally reaches and pulls out the most pathetic little chip. It's all broken. Here, Dad. Jonathan says, no, give me a bigger chip. Oh. And he finally pulls it. You know, we're like that. We just mask it. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it starts with a burden. Effective sharing starts with caring. Let me ask you a question. And be honest in your answer. Do you really care about people that don't know Jesus Christ yet? I know the automatic Christian answer is, oh yes, I care about them. But do we really? Because if we did, why do we not engage them more with the message of the gospel. Far too often I think we regard non-believers as the enemy. They're not the enemy. In fact, the Bible says that they're bound by the enemy, that's the devil, who has blinded their eyes so they will not believe. No, we should not see them as enemies. We should see them as people that need Jesus. In fact, I think we need to get mad. Now, I don't mean get mad at non-Christians. In fact, I've seen sometimes uh, believers yell at people that don't know the Lord. Now, that's not going to reach anybody. I think we need to get mad at the sin that binds them. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, that the apostle Paul had his spirit stirred when he saw that the whole city of Athens was given over to idolatry. And that phrase that's used there in the Bible, his spirit was stirred, can be translated, he was righteously indignant. I think we need to get angry, righteously, at the trap people find themselves in, angry enough to take action. So let me ask you this question. Are you a bridge or are you a barrier to people coming to Christ? Are you a stepping stone or are you a stumbling block? It's time for us as Christians to infiltrate 
this world with the gospel as opposed to isolating. You know, sometimes Christians want to isolate into a subculture and, you know, we eat in Christian restaurants and we buy clothes made by Christian people and we and we talk about Christian things and that's all great, but there has to be a point where we go out and engage non-believers. Don't forget that Jesus himself was called the friend of sinners. How can I ever reach someone if I don't engage them? So let's do everything we can to tell someone. Let's all get busy doing that right away. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation in the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. I told the story all around the world. They've had the opportunity to preach the gospel. I find it resonates with every kind of person, every kind of culture. Men get it, women get it, children get it. Everyone understands it. It's such a straightforward story. And if God were to ever take a selfie, this is what he would look like. In this story, Jesus says, God is like a father who has two sons. And when one of the sons goes astray, he desperately misses that son and longs for his return. You know the story. The boy comes to his dad demanding his portion of the inheritance. He effectively says, Dad, you know, you're living way too long. I'm tired of waiting for you to die. Just give me my part of the inheritance now and let me go. And amazingly, the dad acquiesces and gives the boy what he requests. And off that kid goes to a place far away, ending up with hookers and booze and partying and all that kind of stuff. And after a while, that boy spends all of his money. And all of his friends that he had are gone with the money. And he's actually feeding pigs, which is not a very kosher thing for a good Jewish boy to do. And he actually is thinking, maybe I will eat the food that I'm feeding the pigs. And then it dawns on him, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just take me on as a hired hand. So back home the boy goes. Now the guy was probably, he was probably older. Maybe his body was a little bowed with age. Maybe his body was ravaged with the bad choices he had made in his lifestyle. He's going back home. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. It's almost like the camera moves now from the boy and we come to the father. This is called the parable of the prodigal son. But it could just as easily be called the parable of the loving father. For it's a story of how God loves us. Back at the ranch, there's dad sitting on the front porch, maybe in his rocking chair, missing his boy. Periodically, he'd get up, walk into his son's room, look at all the things hanging on the wall. 
Say, I miss that rascal of a kid. I wish he'd come home. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been decades. We don't know. The story doesn't say. But he would just long for that boy's return. He would sit out there and wait. One day he's sitting out there on the porch and he sees a familiar figure making his way down the path to the home. It's his boy. And the father is so excited. He bolts out of his chair and runs to his son and throws his arms around him and kisses him and says, rejoice with me. This is my son who is dead and is alive again. The boy didn't even get to finish his speech. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called. Yeah, forget that. You're my son. You've always been my son. Welcome home. That's a picture of God. And here's the amazing thing. In this culture, it was considered undignified for an older man to run. If Jesus had not said this, we would not even dare to suggest it. Jesus compares the Father in heaven to a father who misses his son so badly, he's willing to lose his dignity, if you will, to get to his son as quickly as possible. So here's my question for you. If that father was willing to lose his dignity to engage his son, are you willing to lose yours to engage a non-believer? So here's my question for you. Are you willing to lose your dignity, so to speak, to engage someone with the gospel? Are you willing to leave your comfort zone? Are you willing to, well, go into all the world, go into all your world and share the gospel? You know, the apostle Paul said, we warn everyone we meet and we teach everyone we can all that we know about Jesus Christ, listen, so we can bring them to full maturity in Christ. See, that really is the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So our objective as Christians is to, by God's grace, lead people to Jesus and then help them get on their feet spiritually, get them growing, help them reach maturity, and then go and do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and do it for the rest of your life and encourage those you led to the Lord to do the same thing. And through that reproduction, we can reach the world. But you've got to start with your world. You know, sometimes people say, I feel called by God and I want to cross the sea for Jesus as a missionary. Hey, why don't you start by crossing the street? All around you is a mission field. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white to harvest, but then he says, the laborers are few. God is looking for someone to labor in the harvest. He's looking for someone like you. Let's not be guilty of the sin of omission because the Bible tells us to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin. Let's obey the Lord, but understand also, as we obey the Lord, he will bless us. And there's joy, as I shared earlier, in sharing your faith. So let's get on with this. In fact, why don't we just pray together that God will help us to do our part. Let's all pray. Father, we acknowledge that we have not always taken advantage of the opportunities that come our way, sometimes that are dropped in our lap. Help us to, as Jesus said, lift up our eyes and see the harvest. Help us to see people as you see them. Help us to care enough to share. Use us, Lord, we pray, to bring others into your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Message One in the Tell Someone series. I'm confident if you'll get to the end of the series and take these biblical principles and put them into action, that you will lead other people to Jesus Christ. 
So the mission is clear. We're commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to share the good news anytime, anywhere. So go to your family, go to your neighborhood, go to your workplace, go to your sphere of influence, go and tell someone. Maybe God has spoken to your heart and you have seen your need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. I don't want to be a religious person. I don't think you want to be one either. I'm talking about relationship with God. Jesus, who died and rose again, stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Question, have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you? You might say, well, I I think so. I'm not sure. Hey, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, do you think you would be aware of it? I'm sure you would. And in the same way, if Christ has come to live inside of you, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he has not come in yet. He's just a prayer away. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you like to do that? Would you like Christ to come into your life? If so, why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you just pray that prayer with me? If so, I want you to know in the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come to live inside of you. And I would love to send to you at no charge something called the New Believer's Bible. It's a very friendly translation of the New Testament. You'll find very understandable. And it's filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've just made to follow Jesus. Let me send that to you at no charge. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. From the best-selling author of Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, and Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, comes Greg Laurie's new book, titled Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, which traces the rise, fall, and sometimes redemption journeys of famous rock gods who are brought to their knees and look up to finally meet the one true God. It's all in the pages of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus. You'll discover the excess in self-absorption, but also of sweet salvation and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Greg uses his own memories, interviews, and observation to draw from the lives of rock legends as they descend to the depths of hell before ascending to the highest heaven. Request your copy of Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus when you give today. 
Hey, Southern California, Greg Laurie here. You know, there's nothing like gathering together in person to worship the Lord and hear the Word of God. And I want to personally invite you to live worship at our church campuses. There's two you can choose from. Our service times are 9 in the morning and 11 in the morning. So join us as we meet both inside and outside every Sunday morning. 